Welcome to the Milking It podcast, the podcast that tugs the teat of popular culture until it explodes all over your face. I'm David Davis. And I am always Ambu Lamont. And welcome to episode 10. Can you imagine we've made it all the way to episode 10? So we've relocated from the Milking It studios to Madison Square Garden, as is fitting and as is tradition. And tonight, Boo and myself will scale the ladder of chit-chat to pull down the glorious prize of satisfied milksters. Tonight, Piper is our ref. Bam Bam fights a clown. And Adam Bomb beats Booley's record by lasting over 30 seconds. This is the Milking It podcast. I've got the feeling... So here we are, it's episode 10, and uh, as always, we will start with the wonderful world of geek news. And I believe that, uh, as always, and uh, as we said in the intro, as is tradition, uh, Boo's list is longer than mine. So Boo, if you were to kick us off with the first bit of geek news this week, because there's plenty been happening. It's been an interesting week, Dave, and I have got a decagon of news for the Milksters. A um, couple of interesting follow-ups on a couple of geek items from last uh, from the last episode, episode 9. Yep. Um we were talking about the Netflix Marvel deal with Daredevil, um, Luke Cage. Iron Fist. Uh, uh, Iron Fist, of course, <laughs> and Jessica Jones. Um, well, <clears throat> last week, uh, we had a little bit of uh, more news to add to that. Um, you see, the Daredevil show, um, as we said, each character is getting an entire series of themselves, and then it ends up as a Defenders miniseries. Mm-hmm. The Daredevil series um, has, is planned to be written by Drew Goddard, Oh, who right. is a long-time uh, Whedon collaborator. Mm. He uh, worked on Buffy. Um, he worked uh, on one of my Halloween picks from our Halloween special, um, Cabin in the Woods. Yeah. And he also worked on the rewrites of World War Z, along with uh, Damon Lindoff, obviously another great Hollywood writer. Um, so maybe it will be a little bit better than the Affleck uh, effort that was uh, originally put to screen. I'm quite interested to see a good, as I said last week, a good Daredevil live action something. So I'm really hoping now with um, Drew Goddard on board um, that we're going to get like a nice, nice live action series um, of Daredevil, which we which we deserve after the, um, shall we say, subpar movie. Yeah, I, I, like I said, I, I've, oh, it's a long, long time since I watched that movie, but I don't remember it being quite as bad as everyone thought. But maybe that was back in the day when everyone assumed that superhero movies weren't good movies, and they've proved that you know since then you can have a really good movie and it happens to involve superheroes. True, true story, Dave. When the original Daredevil movie came out, I actually mm. bought it, and um, I watched it, and it was so bad. Here's, this was me being naive about. Uh, retail uh, law and rules. I, I, I watched the DVD and the next day I took it back and uh, I said I'd like to bring this back and the guy said, um, why are you bringing it back? And I said, because it was just terrible. <laughs> he was like, you can't actually bring back an open DVD just because it's bad. No, if only. If only, yeah. <laughs> so uh, that, that was the day I learned you can't take back um, shit DVDs, but it was Daredevil. I... I, t- I you know, it's, it, I probably hadn't watched it since that first time when it first came out on DVD. Mm. I just remember disliking it so much. 
Um, um, yeah, no, you know, no, no offense to the dead, but um, the black kingpin for me kind of it just didn't work. I'd always, I'd always envision the kingpin as like a fat bald, you know, white guy. And yes, um, yeah. we had, was it Michael Duncan Clark? Michael Duncan Clark, yeah, for Green Miles uh, and WrestleMania 16s. <laughs> brilliant, brilliant actor, you know, yeah. may rest in peace. Fantastic actor. Yeah, very good. Um, it, just the wrong, the wrong role for the wrong actor. And um, I, that, that's my opinion on that anyway. But going back to it, yeah, um, I'm really looking forward to the Netflix Marvel deal now. Um, now we've got kind of writers of that calibre on board. Absolutely. I think the, the only thing that they need to sort out in terms of Netflix is making some of the US uh, content available pretty much straight away for the UK Netflix, which, you know, I'm, I'm lucky enough to have done a workaround so I can get US Netflix. And I was going to say there are plenty of workarounds, but if you're not tech savvy and you just, you know, want to yeah. watch something through Netflix, um, agree, they need to make it kind of a one stream, you know, like, a, like maybe uh, the same shop deal. It, completely because I, I think the, the general public will look at it and think okay it's a streaming video service so i know about that sort of thing because i'm aware of youtube and you know oh, okay increasingly on youtube you get videos that aren't allowed in your territory um however i think just generally netflix when when you've seen um the, the old to, to quote james off of the 90s uh, i could live with uh, being poor if i hadn't seen such riches to misquote the song um once you see what's available for the US Netflix, it, it does make the UK offering seem rather subpar, I think. Yeah, no, it does. There, there's a lot more on offer, including the Venture Bros, as far as I'm aware. Venture yeah, and, uh, both series or two series of comic book guys now on there as well, which is always good. Again, that's not, I don't even think that's been shown um, on any channel in the UK like nope. on satellite or anything. So, you know, there's only at the moment, there's only one way to get it, unfortunately, and you know, that's less than you know. Uh, legal means but um, again if there's no other way if, if they could make it legal it would get a lot more fans and it's a great show I love comic book man absolutely yeah it's one of AMC's finest I, I, you know I'd put it up there with uh, with storage wars and all those other uh, reality scripted TV things I'd r- much rather watch that than um, some of the absolute rubbish I mean, on the moment but go let's on. Just briefly <laughs> while, we're, mm. while we're there let's talk comic book man because that's something you know, I've, I've never actually asked you because I watch it religiously. I've, I've seen every episode, and I'm, I'm a big fan. Love, love Brian Johnston. You know, what a guy! Like, I, I think he's really cool. Ming Chang's hilarious. Like, they, they, like, you know, they're a really good bunch, and I think the stuff that comes into the story is interesting as well. I think what's what's very interesting sometimes is the um, the price on stuff that I think. Oh, I threw that away. <laughs> um, I, I know uh, they were talking about uh, they had a boxed um, Optimus Prime fig- uh, figure, yeah, uh, toy. Uh, d- One of my specialties. Yes. Fan. Massive Transformers fan, and um, that was worth some ridiculous amount of money, or they they quoted a ridiculous amount of money that they would sell it at. Um, and then I think an, another episode I've seen where they had Thundercats figures, which are, you know I, I remember. In fact, I still think I've got Thundercat figures somewhere at uh, my mom's in, in in a true geek tradition. Um, <laughs> it's uh, sandwiched away somewhere with old school books and stuff. Even treasures, most geeks have them. Absolutely, and you know, and, and the issue is, I suppose you, you get to a point where if you've gone to that stage of throwing everything out, and then you, you get to our age, and uh, suddenly it's quite cool to still be uh, never really growing up, uh, you start to want to get that stuff back into your life again. And I had a, I had a 
I had a great um, little story about just because you mentioned the stuff in the attic. I was helping a friend clean out um, his, the attic at his mum's house. Sorry, is that, is that a euphemism or? No, no, that's that, that's a, <laughs> that, that was a genuine thing. Okay, make, make me a little afterwards. Um, but um, I was helping him clean out this attic, and uh, we found a, a, a Game Boy in box. Like it looked brand new. Wow. He said I could have it, and I, you know, I was like, oh, thanks, man. Helped him clean out the rest. Took it home, um, took it out of the box, opened the back, and the batteries had been in there. For so long. Oh no! It was like pristine, apart from the, the back of melted off. Gutted isn't even the word. Oh, but it's okay. He also let me have a Mr. T AT matching figure that we found. Was that the one with the squidgy head? It was the one with the squidgy head. <laughs> I that was. Uh, I've told the story before on the podcast of uh, me being five years old and getting He-Man figures as the first figures I ever got. At my fifth birthday party, someone bought me a Mr. T action figure. I had no clue who the fuck he was because I didn't watch the A-Team. So he just became part of the play of... Uh, I had He-Man, Skeletor, and Mr. T. And the number of times those guys fought, I can't even imagine to describe. He-Man fool. He-Man fool. Yeah, so... I literally got him on no damn plane of a new reality, if that makes sense. So, um, one of the things that also came up in Geek News uh, this week, which entertained me, I mean, I've, I've spoken about my love of uh, comedy from years gone by and influential comedy and all that kind of stuff, was that Monty Python have uh, announced that they're getting back together for uh, a, a return at the O2 Arena in London, which um, seems both cynical and uh, extremely well paid for them. But uh, you, you can't really blame them. They've been teasing it for years uh, and been falling out and falling in love with each other uh, across Twitter and various law courts. But um, it looks like uh, the original lineup, obviously, <laughs> barring uh, Graham Chapman, uh, who, who passed away. Uh, so Eric Idle, Michael Palin, John Cleese, uh, Terry Gilliam, Terry Jones, all back together. And uh, they're going to be doing this uh, one-off July the 1st concert at the O2 Arena in London. As I say, uh, tickets go on sale November 25th, so uh, from next week. Um, it's obviously going to sell out. It's obviously going to be uh, th- this grand return for the group. But um it seemed very strange to even be talking about it now. I don't. Is there a great clamour for it? Do people really want to see them? And they've admitted it's going to be a bit of a sort of greatest hits thing where they just come out and do old material, but maybe in a slightly different way and sort of mix things up. But previously their live shows have been very successful and uh, very entertaining. The Hollywood Bowl show that they did in the 80s was extremely well done. And again, that was a collection of their sketches and sort of falling back on um, on what they knew. But I don't know. I, I, for me, I, I, well, I'll see what you think, Bill. Your, your thoughts on, on the uh, the Pythons getting back together finally. Dave, I am a massive, obviously, Monty Python fan. Mm. Um, and I, I love the films, love the TV series. But before we talk about the old stuff, the, the, this one-off tour, I, when the tickets were announced that they were going on sale on November 25th, I didn't know that it was a one-off. I just thought it was a tour. So I was like, oh, we've got to get tickets for that, man. We've got to get tickets for that. And then um, hearing the news again, it was like it's one-off. I was like, ah, oh, we're not going to get tickets for that. Um, I can imagine people, if they can get tickets, reselling them at sh- silly prices. Yeah, I mean, the, the, the tickets are going on sale. They're, they're between 27 and 95 pounds but you know no one is going to be able to get a ticket for 27 pounds for that gig yeah. that's no, um, i would love to go but i just don't think i'm going to be able to get a ticket well the i mean the o2 is a great 
a great venue for a, a concert or a sporting event. I've, I've seen WWE there, and you know it's about sixteen and a half thousand people who can fill that arena. I don't quite. I've never really understood the idea of going and seeing comedy in a, a, an arena that big, mainly because when I did stand up, I could never have filled anything like that. Um, I will always maintain that the smaller venues are the best, much like a lot of indie wrestlers will say. Um, but for me, it's just one of those things. I, I, I don't know. I, I don't know whether I'd want to go to the O2 to, for a bit of a, what feels like it's going to be a bit of a nostalgia trip. And obviously it will get filmed and the DVD and the Blu-ray will come out and that kind of thing. It just seems. I don't know, a, a little bit cynical, even for the Pythons. Agreed. I think I'll just wait for the uh, for the Blu-ray. To be honest, not. I've got a lot. Obviously, I, I love Monty Python, mm. as I said, but I don't think um, I don't think I'm going to make a, a big effort to get a ticket to this one because I know I can just watch the DVD. If I did get tickets, they'd be way at the back. It'd basically be watching it on a screen anyway. Completely, and I know it. it, it you're literally paying for the privilege of saying I was there. Um, yeah, and it's like yeah. you're going to, uh, you know, what is the chance? I, they may do a little meeting, you know, it's not like the wrestling thing where they do a meet and greet, you know, you're not going to get to meet the Bythons, it's just you're going to be there watching a screen. And yeah, as you said, you're paying for the honour of just saying I was there. What's next on the uh, Geek News menu, sir? Well, Dave, a little call back to, uh, to uh, one of our favourites here on the Milking It podcast as... Um, the rumour mill has been grinding that Telltale Games, Telltale, <laughs> uh, yes. not Traveller's Tales. We'll discuss uh, Traveller's Tales later. <laughs> yes, uh, yes, we've got a thing coming up for that. Uh, Telltale Games um, are planning, or apparently are planning, a Game of Thrones series uh, in the same vein as The Wonderful Fables and, uh, of course, The Walking Dead. Yeah, I read about this. Uh, it, it, literally, uh, within the past couple of days, they've, this has been sort of rumoured. And... Um, for me i always argue sorry uh you you watch game of thrones uh i've seen the first season and i've seen part of the second season i found it quite confusing because i'm not i'm not very good at paying attention when it comes to things that require it um but uh, the the issue i had with game of thrones and i really enjoyed it the stuff i watched really enjoyed and i'm sure the books are great i haven't read them uh one of my friends has read all of them he used to wax lyrical about it all and i actually had to sit there watching the show with him while he explained which he, what was going on and who each family was and everything else the issue i had was that was that i started watching it just after i'd been playing a hundred plus hours of Skyrim. So I'd, I'd invested my time learning the flags and the Flegels and the Flim Flam Flues and what they did with the Dragonborn and Shouts and all this kind of stuff. And then I was having to try and block that out whilst I watched something which was essentially a TV version of Skyrim, albeit nothing to do with Bethesda. Yeah. I Sadly, I, I don't have a great deal of... I don't have a great deal of opinion on Game of Thrones because I haven't seen it. And I know that's terrible, but I've just not got around to watching any of it. However, I also hadn't really um, read Fables before I played episode one. And um, I think that's brilliant. So maybe this might be the thing that gets me into uh, Game of Thrones. I think if they can do it in the style that they've done uh, the Walking Dead games, where they remove it from the sort of mainstream of the TV show and concentrate on different characters, because there's so many different characters you can concentrate on. It is literally, uh, he has created a world, the author of... George R.R. R. Martin. George R. A huge guy. If you see, ever see a picture of him, he is the definition of a geek. He, he would be the... 
South Park version of a geek, if that uh, ever came up. Like the computer in the world in the World of Warcraft. World of Warcraft episode, yeah, absolutely. Um, so for me, yes, I'd, I'd be interested in playing it because I think they'll, they'll take it off topic. They'll go somewhere different with it. They'll do that style that they're very, very good at. And like I say, for me, Fables has been one of the highlights of the year in terms of gaming and will be very, very high on the uh, milking it end of year awards for myself. Um, mm. But yeah, I'm, I'm very interested to see what they do with that. And, you know, if it brings people to it, then absolutely brilliant. I think, you know, they've proven themselves with Walking Dead. They're, they are proving themselves with the, uh, the the wonderful series of Fables, which the, the new one comes out uh, very soon. And obviously we'll discuss that a little bit more on the Milking Podcast. But I can't wait to see what they do. I think it'd be absolutely brilliant. Also, uh, we were discussing uh, when we were talking about things that we'd uh, following up on. <laughs> There's uh, been a little bit more news in the interim between uh, the last episode and this about Beetlejuice 2, um, which we're obviously hoping still that it's Beetlejuice in Hawaii. Um, <laughs> but the uh, the update that we had was uh, Winona Ryder was talking about it. She she really wants to be in it, she said, but there's not been any kind of... I, I think she probably just really wants work. I think that's probably... Yeah. <laughs> so, uh, I don't think it's a harsh thing to say that she's uh, not exactly uh, had a stellar career since she was uh, shoplifting clothes in LA. Um, but yeah, so she, she was uh, interviewed and she was asked and she hinted that she was going to be involved. And she said that she was going to be involved because um, that she was a, a, a huge fan of uh, Michael Keaton. She's a huge fan of Tim Burton. And uh, obviously she's desperate for a job. So um, she's basically said, yes, absolutely. She'd be interested. She wants to see where that character that she played is going to be now it's sort of 27 years later which made me feel very old uh because it, i didn't realize it was 27 years since the last beetlejuice came out jesus that's quite well, let's see if she can uh, shoplift her way back into our hearts uh, by getting a role on beetlejuice too <laughs> absolutely sir next up uh, just the last little bit of uh, well, a, a couple, a couple more short bits of news that we've only got a little bit of information on. Um, first off, another callback to our usual chat about Star Wars. Um, there's been a little confirmation this week um, that a returning character is uh, confirmed in R two D two. I don't, I don't think anyone will be surprised by this, will they? No, of course not. You know, they've got to have the droids in there, and you know where R two D two goes, C three PO follows. So you might as well count that up as a confirmation as well. Hmm. Fair dues. I'm sure I read something online about the fact that isn't R two D two being made by two fans this time? Right? Yes, they they found two super fans to recreate him. Um, you know, to, to the most accurate level possible. Um, I've, they've actually posted pictures of it up online now, hmm. and it, it really does. You know, it looks spanking. <laughs> That's how you want it to look. Wow, fair dues. That's not that's not a bad way of um, getting the internet community on board by uh, saying that you're involving super fans in something. As uh, I'm sure there'll be plenty to complain about between now and the release of the uh, the next film. But uh, there we go. I, I, I did see as well uh, talking about, uh, about films and follow-ups and uh, obviously Beetlejuice, Star Wars coming out. I'm not sure whether we even mentioned this when we were talking about the uh, the remakes and reboots, but the um, they are what well, they have. Sorry, they are. They have announced a release date for the new Dumb and Dumber Two, which uh, apparently is scheduled for release in the states uh, and shortly after over here in November next year. So it's a, it's a year away. It's the the next film. Obviously, it's it's still the Farley brothers doing it. It's the Farley brothers then. Good, good. 
It is, but then the last film they did wasn't that the Three Stooges. That did that even make it over to the, over here? It didn't get. A, I don't think it got a cinema release. It definitely got a, a DVD release, but uh, and a, a, an awful hosting segment on Raw, from what I remember. Apparently, yeah, after the segment on Raw, was it was it Will Sasso, uh, one of the guys he was. He put out publicly that he was really embarrassed to be there. No, Will. Uh, to, to be fair to Will Sasso, and not that. Oh, it's Will Sasso, the big guy that actually likes wrestling. Will Sasso's the big guy who it was I'd on say, Mad TV not... and yeah, did yeah. the impressions of Hogan and Austin That's and all right. that. Yeah, and no, it was it was Sean Hayes who uh, was previously in Will and Grace and various other things, Billy's Hollywood Kiss and various other films. Um, but yeah, he he, he ended up tweeting that oh, I don't know why we were there; they didn't appreciate us or this kind of thing, and he was embarrassed to be in front of all those wrestling fans and then had to retract the statement on twitter and apologize and no, not they gave him screen time they took screen time away from the wrestlers and gave it to you know this guy and maybe he doesn't i know he doesn't understand the business but like that's that's a really ungrateful move on, on his part yeah completely i mean he, he might not understand the business but he understands tv he knows how that works and how precious you know time slots are i mean it, 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 it even back then it was only two hours obviously it's not the three hours that they have to try and stretch out the most turgid ridiculous pap to fill now but you know at, at the time it, they only had two hours and they were giving them a good five ten minute segment and you know what whatever the fuck happened after i can't remember but it, it, it wasn't particularly it didn't go over particularly well with a live audience i can't imagine anyone was tuning in going oh i really want to see these guys pretending to be these music hall acts from the 1930s but uh yeah so yeah but going off topic as we like to do i was gonna say so dave dumb and dumber 2 yeah so dumb and dumber 2 um so yeah so that's coming out in november 14th there was a a a sequel to dumb and dumber which had nothing to do with the farley brothers which was dumb and dumber uh which was absolutely dreadful uh however this is the official one that they're doing and uh it looks for the pictures that have been tweeted and it's it's got jim carrey involved it's got jeff daniels involved like the original um so it it does seem for all intents and purposes like it's actually going to be a decent decent film um i was a big 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 fan of the original um i, I don't know about you but dumb and dumber I, I was fairly young uh during the jim carrey era when you know when he you know he was in did he kick it off with ace ventura well ventura. didn't he do well <laughs> let me just put my jim carrey hat on sir um okay. i think he was he was in my stepmother is an alien no, he wasn't. He was in Earth Girls at Easy. Fuck! A David! Fuck up! That's all right. I'll, was... edit, I'll edit that out. No, you won't. No, you won't. <laughs> so he was in um, uh, Earth Girls are Easy, I believe. You said he was in My Stepmother is an Alien. <laughs> <laughs> so, yes, Dave. Anyway, as we continue. So, uh, I'm sh- actually, I think he was in uh, My Stepmother is an Alien. No, Dave, he was in <laughs> easy. Anyway, but his first, his breakout role was Ace Ventura. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Okay, and then we had The Mask, and then Dumb. So I was around for that era of the Jim Carrey movies being the summer blockbusters for me. Hmm. Um, so I, you know, big fan of Dumb and Dumber when it came out. I think I saw it like two or three times at the cinema. Hmm. Um, I, I still like the Farley Brother movies, um, and they obviously they've worked wonders with Jim Carrey. There was me, myself, and Irene, which was another oh, amazing film. Love that film. So um, I'm, I'm definitely on board for the for, a, for an actual sequel. I've never seen Dumb and Dumberer because it doesn't appeal. Um, very much like the, the the elusive. Did you hear about this? The Ace Ventura Junior movie. Yes. Yeah. And 
Am I right in thinking there was um there was a cartoon of both Dumb and Dumber and Ace Ventura, wasn't there? There was. Um, pretty much most of the Jim Carrey movies back then. Mask had a series based on the movie as opposed to the comic book. Yes, uh, yeah. Which wasn't very kiddie friendly anyway. I was going to say, uh, the comic book was quite dark though, from what I remember. It was dark, very violent, um, and awesome. <laughs> but, um, but yes, uh, as I said, Farley Brothers, Jim Carrey, um, they, 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 they work well together. They've obviously collaborated a few times, um, so I'm definitely on board for Dumb and Dumber 2. Excellent. Um, anything else for Geek News this week? Dave, one last release, um, upcoming release that I wanted to mention for a very busy 2015. Yeah. To add to the movie schedule, May 15th in America, Mad Max. Girls are easy. <laughs> no, Dave. Um, the new Mad Max film, mm. which has been filmed and refilmed and all kinds of stuff's been going on with it. I've seen the vehicles, um, I've seen photos on the, from the set of the vehicles. They look, they looked awesome. Um, I'm hoping it will kind of revitalise the Mad Max franchise because uh, apart from Thunderdome, which even Thunderdome has its charms, I was a really big fan of the first two. Yeah. Um, Are you a fan of the Mad Max franchise, Dave? Do you know what? As as the host of the Milking It podcast, I shouldn't ever really say this out loud, but I've never, ever watched any of the Mad Max films. Dave, your homework is to... uh, The first film is great. Mm. The second film... Uh, the first time I saw Mad Max 2, The Road Warrior, which is yep. where the Road Warriors got their name. Of course, yes. I understand that. Yes, yes. Okay. Um, I, I just caught the beginning on TV uh, when I was about 12, and um, I was captivated. Just a, one of my favourite films of all time. And then um, Thunderdome <laughs> is so different and just so wacky compared to the first two. Um, right. I'm interested to see what they... As I said, I'm interested to see what they do with the franchise, because there's a game coming out as well. Hmm. That looks really cool. They've already got gameplay demo, uh, gameplay videos up on YouTube, um, so check that out. And also, think- Matt, Mel Gibson's brother hmm. um, was trying to get the role of Mad Max because the voice originally was, or is still, maybe American. Oh right, okay. So there's been a bit of hoo-ha about that. So Mel Gibson's brother actually redubbed um the the trailer himself and put it on youtube and it's it, it's so much better wow that doesn't scream desperation does it <laughs> no but i mean it's like stan bush when the uh, the transformers movie came out he just went ahead and recorded um a cover anyway before he was even asked uh, a re, um you know you know the transformers soundtrack is an awesome soundtrack and i don't mean yes. the live action movies the original um a lot of the music was done by stan bush Mm. And uh, so when these new Transformers movie came out, he was really lobbying to get, you know, his music on those as well. Um, I think he managed it with the second or third one. But um, <laughs> going majorly off topic, um, Dave, watch a Mad Max movie. Do yourself a favour. <laughs> I shall do that. That's my uh, my homework for this week. And it brings to an end this week's geek news. But before we end completely, I uh, just very quickly to mention that uh, we're in November. And for a few of us, it's called Movember because we've chosen for charity to look like idiots. Um, I'm sporting what can only be described as the most disappointing moustache in the history of humankind. Uh, well, maybe there was a guy in Germany in the 1940s, but there we go. Um, it, it, yeah, not really looking good. Proved that my facial hair is something of a disappointment and needs more work. So I should be uh, making it uh, uh, something that I work on in the future. But I, I have to quickly mention, uh, because he's a massive, massive fan of the Milking It podcast, 
He's very much a milkster, and he is my mo-bro for Movember. He's a guy called Anand. Uh, we've raised some seriously good money, and most of which, I have to admit, has come from him, his friends, his family. Absolutely brilliant. Really proud of him. Uh, a guy I work with, and uh, he would very much appreciate the shout-out during this week's Geek News. And, as always, we join Jay Hodgkin for this week's Sticky Flo- What? What? What's that? It's what? I think Jay better explain. Jay? I, um, I've got some terrible news. We had better prepare you for this, so you'd best get the Valium out of your mother's kitchen drawer. It's the, uh, the arcade machines, you see. They're, um, they're all gone. All of them. Yep. Every single one. There is nothing where they stood save dozens of square patches of carpet that looks brand new and a Caligula-esque orgy of dust bunnies. I'm not sure what happened to him. I just nipped out for a banana yop. And now the sticky florium is as barren as an old lady's uterus. So that's it then, I guess. The sticky florium emporium is no more. It's defunct. You can't have a show without arcade games. Damn it. I'm just sort of sitting around in here, keeping out the rain, because my train is due in about half an hour. So I'm sitting on the floor playing Game Dev Story on my iPad. Wait a second. Maybe we can have a heartwarming resolution. I can review Bunsen burners and their effects on the coronary muscles. Or even better, I could review iOS games. Ladies and gentle dudes, the show must go on as Freddie Mercury sang before promptly dying of the AIDS. It's Sticky Floor Emporium 2, Electric Boogaloo. Or maybe we could just stick with the original title. So what shall we choose as our inaugural title? Well, as I've wasted a large portion of my allotted airtime that the kindly Mr Davis and young Master Lamont allow me on their creaming it podcast or whatever it's called talking about this segment's transition from arcade reviews to downloadable video games i better make this a quick one and here it is old school bus parking 3d it's a free download because no right thinking human would part with money to play a game called that and yes you do park an old school bus The first level consists of you pressing the accelerator for three seconds before pressing the brake button. Wow. But come back, come back, don't wander off, come on, come back, come back. Each level gets progressively more complex, with extra twists and turns and vehicles placed in your path, with each collision depleting your fragile energy bar, threatening to write off your rust bucket child education conveyance. The sub-PS1-era graphics make it look as though your bus is moving down a Venetian canal, as the wheels of the obstructive other vehicles are half-submerged in the road and the pavement is bus-damagingly high. I have a theory that maybe there's been some sort of ecological disaster and the world's roads have all melted, leaving just a mentally disturbed OCD bus driver to fruitlessly complete his route in this ravaged post-apocalyptic landscape, long after all the children have died and turned to dust. Either way, it's okay for a freebie. 
When you start thinking of old school bus parking 3D as an average puzzle game rather than a terrible driving game with an amusingly mundane premise, it's bearable. Two sig... No, 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 no. New format. Two blistered thumbs out of five. Now, you've got what you want from me. Scram! You wanna milk it and you know So as we're recording, uh, it is the the day of reckoning for Xbox and Microsoft. The Xbox One has uh, is dropped. It is upon us. The worldwide release, well, in several territories, they uh, pulled it from a number of them. If you're in Norway, you're fucked. Um, they've released the Xbox One. It was the midnight launch last night around the country. Uh, there was thousands of people in Leicester Square, as you'll have seen on the news. There was hundreds of people outside of the shop that I may or may not work in. Um, so it, it, it's here, the next generation of gaming, the uh, the generation they say is going to last 10 years. They're putting 10 years into this console. Can you imagine in the year 2023, we'll still be sat here podcasting every week, um, delaying it and ignoring people's requests to stop. Um, but... <laughs> Basically, yeah. So they're saying this is this is it. This is the next ten years. Uh, the Xbox 360 they're going to support until 2017. Uh, so there'll still be games out. You'll still be able to use it. They'll still have the online capabilities and everything else. But uh, today there were hundreds of thousands, if not millions, of people worldwide who were downloading that day one update we discussed last week that stops it from being a brick. Um, there was also something online yesterday that Microsoft published that said you didn't have to go online to do that. But uh, they quickly withdrew that. So we'll discuss that when they let it out as proper uh, proper news. Um, but I was lucky enough, um, unfortunately not lucky enough to buy an Xbox One. But I was uh, lucky enough to have a good hands-on with the Xbox One. So um, I just wanted to give you some of my thoughts, really, and uh, let you know what I was thinking. Because uh, I, I, I mentioned on, I don't know if it was last week or the week before, uh, that I, I did originally have uh, an Xbox on order. Uh, that was my next generation console of choice, as we had a, a discussion slash argument about uh, Dude, before. I'm still, I'm still, um, still very much veering towards the PS4. I, I'm starting to think it's more of a price thing for me now. Yeah, I think yeah, I, I I totally understand that, and you know the, the justification for the price is um, obviously you, you get the connect, and the connect is this time built in as part of the machine. Not that it's connected as such; it's a, it's still a separate little unit, but it, it's very much part of the experience. So you're paying for the console and the connect, um, and the sort of innovations that they've got. Uh, going on and i think if you if you're into an entertainment machine in terms of using apps and bits and pieces it's very much geared towards that kind of windows phone look that windows 8 look of um having windows that you can flick between and just very bold clear things that you can just navigate around and for me um everything i saw about the Xbox while I was there and trying it, I was very, very impressed. And I know that's the whole point. And the, the event that I went to was was an Xbox event. So obviously they're going to talk it up. They're going to you know, let you know everything they want you to know. Um, for me, as uh, again, we've said before, the, the PS3 for me has only ever been a Blu-ray machine that I play occasional games on when God of War comes out or there's, you know, The Last of Us or something that I, you know, Beyond Two Souls or something I have to play, you know, that I feel, you know, it's, ex- it's exclusive and I, I need to need to get it. Um, but no, I, I was it, I was really impressed. I came away from the event uh, regretting having cancelled my pre-order. Not that I could afford it at the moment, but 
um, genuinely impressed with the console and genuinely excited about the potential for it. I think it's probably six to 12 months before there'll be any game out that I desperately want to play. Uh, how big is that, Dave? How big is the leap? Because you've seen it now and you've been playing Xbox 360 for a while. Mm-hmm. You've seen the improvement in graphics on 360. Take that and now compare how big a leap is it from from the graphics on the Xbox 360 to the Xbox One now because you've seen it, you've played on it, you you know you've actually witnessed it, whereas I've not had the chance. Um, it's I played Forza and um, like Forza has always looked amazing. They've they've always managed to capture lighting effects really well, textures really well. You know the anti-aliasing, everything makes it look smooth and classy. The cars look amazing um, and everything else. Um, playing it on the the xbox one kind of looked like a jj abrams um sort of film there was a lot of lens flare there was a lot of shiny metal and things that just made you go oh that's very sexy um is it just polished is it just a polished version of the 360 graphics uh, yeah, so for, from what I've seen, um, it's it, seeing Assassin's Creed on there, um, seeing a, a, a Watch Dogs demo, uh, played Killer Instinct on there, which I'll chat about in a second. Um, for me personally, it felt like a very high-end PC. Um, you know, I've never been a PC gamer, so obviously I'm sure there's PC gamers who are listening to this who are going, <laughs> what? No, <laughs> ridiculous. We can achieve this. <laughs> For me, it looked like when I see a really good PC running with like Call of Duty or Batman or whatever playing on it, and I go, oh, do you know what? Those graphics look really smart. It's it, it's up there, and I think it's because the majority of the launch games, especially the launch games across both titles, are PC ports, so you, they're just high-end PC quality. Um, but no I, no, I was just impressed by the sort of integration of the entertainment stuff, because they were saying um, in this event that I went to that there's only 2% of people who use Xbox Live and are Xbox Live Gold subscribers who use the Xbox not for online play, but for entertainment apps. And that's me. I'm part of that 2%. I'm that guy who uses it for Netflix. I'm that guy who, you know, does watch movies on there. And, you know, and I never online game. I'm not a big sort of Call of Duty. You know, we've said before, neither of us are... I've played my bits of online gaming, but like neither of us are massively um, online game like shooter guys. We're more like story driven game yeah, guys. Yeah, completely. I'm, 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 I, for me, gaming is quite a solitary pursuit. I like to sit there, I like to play through a game. I enjoy it, and yeah, you know, we we chit chat about it on here and everything else. And we're going to talk about a, a game that we both played this week a little later on. But for me, it's not a social thing, gaming particularly. I, I never understood that whole thing of, oh, you get, you get all your friends in the gallery and you all get together and, you know, you can play this game. Dave, totally. Um, I was going to say, with because with the PS4, there's such a veer towards social integration. None of that appeals to me. I just want good graphics, good story-driven games that I can play on my own and that we can compare notes on. You know, for, for, for you and me, it was about achievements and the gamer score when we were playing... Uh, the game we'll be talking about later completely um, yeah so for us that was uh, it wasn't even competitive we were just comparing notes and oh, have you done this and have you done that? Oh, i've seen you get that achievement oh, i've got to get that achievement now and that was for that's the 
you know, a multiplayer experience, I suppose, in a way. Yeah, well, th- this is the thing. That the social element to the gaming came the next day when we met up and chatted about the games we'd been playing the night before. It didn't happen there and then via a headset, apart from probably that one, was it one, one to 100 or 100 to one quiz thing? It I think it's the only it time. Yeah, <laughs> one hundred. That was great. I remember that. That was the only time we. Really That's the only time we ever chatted online before we did the milking it podcast. <laughs> In many ways, it was our pilot episode. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I, so for me, I, I, that kind of passes me by a bit. But I, I was very impressed with what they're going to do, and you know, I, I don't really see the excite the excitement of the the console recording five minutes of your gameplay that you can then upload straight away to some obscure video site because youtube's linked with the ps4 um so yeah i don't really understand that but i I do understand that that exists i do understand that's a massive deal for a lot of people and that sort of that commentary over videos is is something that you know a lot of people are doing and and that's that's cool that it lets you do that straight away rather than having to have a capture card and all that kind of thing um there's two things that are going to make me sound. There's three things now that are going to make me sound very sad and geeky. One, I do a podcast every week called the Milking Podcast. That's all about geeky stuff. Um, but it, so three things about my experience with the Xbox One that are going to make me sound very geeky. The first is the pad, the control pad. I never thought I'd get excited about a control pad, but genuinely when they talk about the fact that they've revolutionized it and they've you know called in gamers who are hardcore gamers to try it and test it and change it and develop it and everything else everything about it is this this is what we did before this didn't work we've changed it um the the rumble feature on it i've never really been a big fan of the rumble feature on pads i don't really see the point in it when i'm playing it doesn't add anything to my experience playing forza i love the Sorry, the rumble feature is brilliant. Um, well, in many ways, it's been a girlfriend for you for several years. <laughs> Ed, do you know what? The rumble, you know, they introduced it with uh, Star Fox or Lilac Wars, as they mm-hmm. called it over here at the N64. And it was, and to using it on, using it on GoldenEye, you get, I mean, that for me was unbelievable. And it, I mean, it depends how they use it because games like Metal Gear Solid, um, they have, they, they kind of design it so that like when a helicopter goes over, the rumble kind of goes over in your hand, like more like a, like it's passing you by i don't know like if it can be used in an innovative way so you might not be a fan but i I think the rumble features been a been a brilliant addition to controllers i think for me it's it's never kind of immersed me in the game it's taken me out of the game when the pads started going crazy and buzzing and everything else okay all right um but god sorry do you remember when the ps3 first came out um it didn't have the dual shock yeah that was very. It was really polarizing. Like it was, it was noticeable because I got, you know, I got the old uh, PS3 on release uh, back in the day. Um, yeah. <laughs> but um, yeah, I, 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 it was noticeable. The first thing I noticed was there's no rumble, and um, so I, I, I kind of think it is an important thing. I think for, for me, the example I'll give is is playing Forza. Um, they've increased the number of uh, number of rumble pa- uh, rumble positions within the pad. So literally, as you're damaging the car, you're getting feedback in different parts of your hand. So you can tell if you've knackered your rear left wheel, you'll feel it in the bottom of your left hand as opposed to the top of your left hand. And when you're pulling away at the start of the race, you feel the drag at the back and then it 
evens out and goes towards as you move and that for me was quite interesting because it just takes you by surprise and it's such a such a more sensitive pad than the previous one it, it genuinely felt like a more immersive experience the the d-pad is a lot more suited to arcade games playing killer instinct on it it just worked a lot quicker a lot better it didn't feel like the awful d-pad that the the 360 had for a long, long time until they did the pop-up one, obviously as a special edition. Um, the second thing that's going to make me sound really geeky is the new Connect. So I had the old Connect. Um, I wasn't a massive fan of it, mainly because I didn't. I was living in London, so I didn't have a flat big enough that I could actually properly use it because I couldn't get six foot away from the screen because of the size of the uh, the place I was living in. And yet we managed to get an entire game of Guitar Hero going in there. We did, yeah, but that was different, I suppose, because that didn't really involve having to be too far away from it and everything else. It was interesting, it was funny, and it was, it was one of those little things that you could play. And, you know, the games weren't too great. Let's not mention Fable Journey. Um, but the, the new Connect is absolutely brilliant. The, the, you can literally stand two foot away from it it will scan your whole body they've increased the camera the camera is 1080p as standard you can do high definition skyping to each other so you know you could see in the future a, a high definition version of the milking it podcast when we're a bit richer dave uh, you know when we're making that sweet podcast money we'll when both we make <laughs> that podcast <laughs> money when that podcast dollar comes rolling in, rolling so. in yeah. um, um, we'll, we'll yeah. do a live uh, xbox one cast of the milking it podcast Absolutely, I'm I'm well up for that. Uh, but yeah, so you can do that. It, uh, it's got two infrared cameras on it, so it can see you in the dark, which is uh, all a little bit sort of horror movie. Um, but it genuinely works really well. And you know, seeing six people on screen recognised by this machine and individually recognising their profiles, signing them in, putting them in the right place, seeing where their fingers are moving, recognising the expression on each of their faces. Um, you know, I, I don't know how, how the software houses are going to use it. I don't know how they're going to integrate that into games, but the potential is really cool, I think. No, I'm, I'm, that, that, that appeals. Maybe that's where your 400-odd quid is going into. Well, yeah, to be fair, I mean, there's a lot of, you know a lot of uh money being spent on that particular thing i think um they, they are really really putting their hopes and prayers into the connect being the thing that really makes the difference between the two machines um there's talk as well um I'm, I'm not sure how wide this talk is so i'm not sure whether to even say it or not but um the connect will not just be for the xbox in the future there are there is talks of expanding it to a wider audience so Hopefully that will also mean that they they do increase the awareness and it, it, you know it, you can do cross party stuff and especially with the Skype thing obviously the Skype's a massive deal around the world so that's a big deal but yeah just everything about the Connect really appealed I was convinced it doesn't do that ridiculous thing where it tries to focus on you and moves around and all that kind of bullshit it's just it's set there it works it's 1080p it's very very smart. Um, the third thing that I'll mention, just very quickly, because um, I know I'm rattling on about the, the Xbox One, but uh, it did come out. It's a big deal. It's, it's a huge geeky thing. And um, next week I'll probably do the same about the PS4, but um, is that the integration between the Smart Glass um, app that they've launched? Smart Glass has been around for a while. Go on. I've used Smart Glass. Um, my laptop, let God rest its, <laughs> God rest its screen, um, um, I used to hook it up to the Xbox 360, and all it was is to just kind of get bits of information and 
like it was it wasn't massively interesting to be honest with you no well this is where it all changes um is that the smart glass technology with the xbox one um actually ties into the games a lot more there's games that have been developed to use that technology alongside them so for example dead rising which was the game that i was very excited to play and is probably the only reason i would buy an xbox one and um, unfortunately say, that's, that's the console that's the, that's what i would buy it for dead rising 3 i was in the game i was in game today buying a copy of the the wonderful tear away on vita um which has been fantastic but we can talk about that more at length when i've played it some more yeah um I, I was in the queue and I just saw, you know, I was seeing the people buying their Xbox Ones and I could see the, the box of Dead Rising behind the counter and I just thought, yeah, I want me some of that. <laughs> yeah, and, and, and to be fair, again, I haven't played it, so I'm not going to really go into too much detail, but um, it, it's not had the greatest reviews. It's been called the weakest of the series and everything else, but I, I still think it's one of those moments where it's probably something that if you're into it, you're into it. If you're not, you're not. So I'd still want to try it regardless of reviews. Like, yeah, it, completely. If they were really bad reviews, I'd still get it just to see if it was as bad as they said it was, and maybe you know, maybe I'd like it, you know. Yeah. So, so an example of the smart glass technology with Dead Rising is if you downloaded that app to your iPhone, your Android, your, your iPad, or whatever you use, is whereas previously in the game, uh, whether you remember or not, uh, in Dead Rising Two, you had that um, the walkie-talkie that kept going off that you had to answer. Mm-hmm. Um, in this, if you've got the smart glass, it rings your phone. So you answer your phone and it speaks not through the screen, but through your phone and tells you where you've got to go, what you've got to do. And you select using the smart glass, right? I'm going to do that task next. I'm going to go here. This is the time. And you use that as the what used to be the HUD within the game. I'm sorry. Can I just can I just say something? You've just just um, um, talking of that it would ring your phone. Mm-hmm. Um, that's been done in a game before. And it was one of the most awesome innovations i've seen in a video game and it was actually a game on the wii mm. the original wii so remember what the control looks like you've got the little speaker at the bottom yeah well during one of the cut during the first cut scene the, your controller starts buzzing and ringing right and lift it to your ear it would answer it and you would get the next mission through the phone like as if you were holding a phone <laughs> i just thought this was brilliant because it was you know they'd quietened it down so you'd have to put it to your ear like a phone mm. So um, I, I kind of – that does appeal in a way that, that, that Dead Rising kind of added that. But um, I, I think that would get a bit annoying. I don't know. I, I, that kind of appeals as, as a gimmick. I think that's quite an interesting gimmick. I mean, I remember in um, – I remember playing Manhunt on uh, on the original Xbox um, and the instructions that used to come to you as if they were being sent by the, the main uh, – guy who would set you up and was trying to put you in these various snuff movie things the director would come if you if you wore the headset would come just through the headset and the rest of the audio would be through your tv so it was as if he was speaking directly to you did you know that if you were talking or breathing loudly that they the bad guys would actually hear you yeah and this is the same with dead rising if uh, if you shout out loud or you talk out loud while you're playing it the zombies hear you doing it which can be a good or a bad thing because you can use it to distract the zombies or uh, bring them in over a certain way. And, and that to me, that's the sort of integration that something like the Connect should be offering. And, uh, you know, I hope, I mean, obviously the, this is the first wave of games. So I, I, I look forward to seeing where we are in six to 12 months to two years to three years, you know, imagine 
what the next Gears of War is going to be doing. Imagine what the next Fable is going to be doing. You know, there's just all these wonderful things that I, I genuinely think it's a very exciting time for gamers, both PS4 and Xbox One. But like I say, sitting down, actually having some time to play that um, and, and, and see what it's like. And the feedback I'm getting from the guys at work who um, have bought the console and are, are genuinely really enjoying it is I think they're, they're onto a winner. I think that, you know, so far, so good. Yeah, no, I mean, the Xbox One, it, 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 it is starting to appeal. It does sound like a great console. Of course, money is always going to be an issue yeah. when it comes to consoles for me. Um, so I'm not planning on being an early adopter for either, to be honest with you. So maybe this time next maybe this time next year I'll, um, I'll, I'll know which console I'm going to get. It's, uh, it's the beginning of the console wars, Dave, just like they said in South Park. Hmm. Which we have to mention, uh, being a geek podcast, uh, how good have those couple of episodes been? Yeah, no, the last two episodes of South Park have completely made up for the rest of the series, which has been a bit poor so far. Um, however, I will say that, the, again, it's a Game of Thrones parody. That, you know, I'm not a big Game of Thrones fan, as we've said earlier yeah. on the podcast, but um, always on, on point, those boys. Really funny. I can't wait for the for, the, for next week's episode. See what happens. Absolutely, and they're, they're obviously working towards the uh, the Xbox launch, and yeah, just really very good. And if you if you're a, a gaming fan, if you're a Game of Thrones fan, if you're a geeky in general, then uh, then check it out by any means necessary, as they say. So that was my uh, little review of the Xbox One. This week sees fifty years of everyone's favourite Doctor named Doctor Who. Doctor Who. And if anyone has the backstory bollocks on this guy, it's Jay. In fact, he's taken those bollocks, popped one through the side of his pants, and he wants you to have a feel! If you listen to this show when it airs, you'll probably be ankle-deep in excitement stroke boredom from all the 50th anniversary Doctor Who hype swirling around like the white balls on a hungry hippo's table slash your mother's bosom. Eagle-eyed Whovians, as Doctor Who fans and Eastern European vax machines both like to be called, will have noticed a seven-minute short release prior to the anniversary episode called The Night of the Doctor. And it did not feature Matt Smith, nor did it feature David Tennant nor Chris Eccleston. No, no, it's star Paul McGann, a guy who has previously appeared as the 8th Doctor for all of 85 television minutes. That is a very short time to portray Gallifrey's most celebrated physician. He played him in 1996's abortive attempt to relaunch the show for American audiences in an episode called Doctor Who the Movie something that wasn't actually a movie at all, as it never appeared in the cinemas, and I hate the way people say movie about something that appears on TV, even if it is longer than other things, because it's stupid. Now, Doctor Who wiseasses will inform me that the Eighth Doctor has had many an adventure in books and audio plays, but fuck them and fuck research. I may be a nerd, but I'm trying to hang out with the cool kids in the varsity jackets. I'm not listening to 90 hours of Paul McGann jobbing for a paycheck. I want to put my hand down a cheerleader's top one day and touch her velveteen undergarments, not sit in the library with the Poindexters and do bloody research. So yeah, how have you been, Eighth Doctor? 
What have you been up to since the years of Blur vs. Oasis, this life with Rick Grimes as a shit lawyer, and, of course, my unnervingly embarrassing premature ejaculation? The last one's a bit of an ongoing issue, uh, but who's going to complain? Kleenex? After dispatching Julia Roberts' brother at the scrag end of the 20th century, the 8th Doctor gallivanted around time and space like no one's business. Luckily enough, he wasn't hampered by the BBC budget restrictions for a good nine years, so he didn't have to spend too much time in Welsh quarries masquerading as alien locales. He went to some pretty far-off planets with weird inhabitants, such as the Frumbo people of Bastich 7. Now, the Frumbo people of Bastich 7 had eyes that to us would look like the hindquarters of a Staffordshire Bull Terrier, to the point that they actually cried solid brown tears. Now, as learned as the Doctor was, he did almost cause an intergalactic incident by scooping up the tears with a carrier bag and putting them in a dog waste bin. At least he thought it was a dog waste bin. But it actually turned out to be the cyborg ambassador of the planet Skrullen, who just happened to look exactly like a dog waste bin, including a sign that said dog waste only on his body, which in Skrillen is actually a sort of moustache. The Doctor also travelled to 1950s America and attempted to seduce Marilyn Monroe before finding out that she wasn't really that hot in retrospect and that women from the 21st century are really much hotter and she was only kind of up against the stands of 1950s women who were generally fat, makeup-free harridans. And it's a bloody miracle that later generations of humans appeared at all. That's his opinion. It's not mine. I'd like to make that very clear now. Except he's incredibly right and Marilyn Monroe wasn't really that hot at all, was she? He also travelled to the early 1990s because he wanted to see what it was like trying to meet people at a particular place at a particular time before mobile phones were invented and quickly found it to be incredibly infuriating and buggered off double quick. Some of his other adventures included feeding chewits to a stegosaurus finding out what happened to Lotto Lout, Mickey Carroll, and fighting all 30,000 previous members of the Sugar Babes in what historians have called the Battle for Scarborough. And hey-ho, let's go, as the Ramones would say, because that is this episode done. <laughs> This episode was recorded partly on the toilet. Any splash noises are purely unintentional. So this week, uh, Boo and myself have both been playing the same game, which sounds dirtier than I mean it. Um, we've both been playing uh, Lego Marvel Super Heroes. Um, on Xbox? Have we both been playing it on Xbox or are you PS3? No, Dave. I've been playing... We have been playing cross uh, cross. Uh, platforms my friend story of our lives sir <laughs> no i've been playing on the ps3 and um, ah. i know an xbox guy and um, what did you for, let, let's start off so this week we have been playing lego marvel superheroes mm -hmm. and um did you get anything dlc wise with your with your copy yes i got um <laughs> A game exclusive pack, which included uh, uh, Spider-Man and a couple of costumes, uh, Hawkeye Cycle, um, and a couple of other bits and pieces. But it, it wasn't a great deal, to be fair. It's the same sort of thing as they did when they uh, they did the Lego Harry Potter and things like that. I, I didn't get any actual physical Lego, which I've had in previous years. 
No, I, I didn't get the Lego, uh, the, the real physical Lego either. I did get the Asgardian pack uh, mm. that was based on characters from Thor 2. Exclusive uh, to PS3, that one. Yeah. It was. Um, Odin was pretty cool. <laughs> yes, I'm sure. Um, but no, uh, so we both, that's good. We, different platforms, different DLC. Mm-hmm. So we both got a fair, you know, slightly different experience. But um, how, how did you find the main game? Um, I really enjoyed it. I mean, I, I'm up to the point of the final level. There's 15 main levels. Uh, I, I realise there are additional stuff afterwards, which I'm sure you'll you'll discuss. Um, but yeah, I'm, I'm up to the final level. Uh, no spoilers in this one. Um, so I'm, I'm approximately 15 to 20 minutes away from completing it. Um, I really enjoyed it. I really genuinely enjoyed it. I always loved the Lego games. Uh, even Indiana Jones was made tolerable by Lego. Um I genuinely thought it was a fun game. The characters are quite cool. I'm, I'm enjoying the fact that because I'm not, as as we've previously discussed, a Marvel guy, um, there were lots of characters I don't know. I have no idea who they are. I'm, obviously, the, the main story is predominantly the characters that you've seen in the films. It's very much the film versions of those characters the, from the Avengers, X-Men, everything else. They are, it, it, they are based, the costumes, everything, the, the, the voices are based on the film versions of those characters. However, I'm aware that you can collect the comic book versions as well. Um, but yeah, I just, I did genuinely thought it was just a fun game. It was nice to see characters I don't really know. It's nice to throw it into, you know, the, the levels are entertaining as always. And, you know, I look forward to playing it through again to get all the bits and pieces. And, you know, I, I'm genuinely excited about the way that they've done it. I think it, for me personally, obviously it doesn't beat Lego Batman 2 because I'm a Batman guy, but uh, yeah, really, really fun game, really good fun. And, you know, money well spent, sir. I'm glad there's a non-Marvel game, uh, a non-Marvel guy. What? <laughs> Excuse me. As a non-Marvel guy, uh, you you enjoyed it um, because it is a good introduction to a lot of the characters that that aren't in the movies, and it's also a good introduction to characters that are in future movies that a lot of people don't know a lot about, like the Guardians of the Galaxy, Ant Man, and um, I, I'm not sure if it's been confirmed, but I think Black Panther. Mm. Um, but um, yeah, no, I, I thoroughly enjoyed it. I, I finished the story mode uh, fairly quickly. I, I was enjoying it a lot. Uh, and then I was uh, basically grinding for studs. Uh, <laughs> story of my life, sir. <laughs> um, to unlock uh, the rest of the characters. But some of the some of the side missions, that I, as you said, you've, you've kind of stuck to the story mode. There was one uh, particular side mission uh, at the Marvel offices which is um it's not really a spoiler because it's on the map yeah. it's it's the marvel logo but um the mission in there was a lot of fun and uh, unlocked the legendary howard the duck so uh, <laughs> excellent worth doing for that alone but yeah no i've, I've been really enjoying Lego marvel um it's uh it, it's kept me busy it's a, a, a brilliant example of an open world game i mean when i when i jumped off the helicarrier and I was plummeting, and then suddenly my boost has kicked in, and I'm flying around the city. And once you get like to grips with the flying controls, yeah, you, you know it's actually quite breathtaking. Some of the some of the graphics. Um, yeah, I mean it, it's like I say, it's up there. I mean the, the controls with the flying stuff is is exactly the same as they did with the uh, with Superman in the Lego Batman Two and a couple of the other characters. But it, it does work really, really well. I think, like I say, there's those moments where you're flying over the bay or you know zooming down the streets and stuff. It's yeah, it's just really quite a pretty looking game to be fair. And I mean, as usual with the Lego games, it's ultimate fan service. I mean, mm. 
had some of my favourites in there that you know that are really obscure. And um, and each character, I mean, I love the detail. Each character is different, and you know, some of them, some of the flying characters. I mean, when I unlocked, you know, when you play as Jean Grey, as regular Jean Grey, you can't fly. You kind of just float around. Mm. You unlock her Phoenix costume. You can fly, and you get like this fiery Phoenix effect out the back. And like that was like a test for me of like the detail. I was like, is it just a costume, or is it a complete rehaul? And it was a complete rehaul. When I when I finished the, the the main story mode, I mean, I spent a lot of time flying around as Galactus. Uh, <laughs> really? Ah, oh, okay. I look, I look forward to that. But yeah. um, not. It's just a really good game. I um, tell you what stood. Sorry, what stood out for on. me as well was uh, was the voice acting on it, because they've they've managed to get the majority of the voice actors who are currently doing the sort of cartoon versions. I noticed that the guy who does, uh, and apologies for not researching this uh, uh, more thoroughly, but uh, the guy who does the voice for Spider-Man in the current Spider-Man cartoon that's on Cartoon Network is the voice in there. Um, The guy who I've I've heard many, many times uh, who does Captain America's voice is the same guy, interestingly enough, who does uh, Batman in the new Arkham Origins game, um, who's very, very good. And there's just some some really great voice acting in it, and it's... There's, there's some that are obviously a little bit sort of hit and miss, especially when they try and do English accents, which we've discussed previously when uh, talking about uh, video games. But no, just everything about it. And how can you go wrong with a game that features so prominently Stan the Man Lee? He is around every corner. <laughs> he certainly is. He's, well, he's literally on every level, isn't he? Yeah. He's um, one, of, one of the main missions of... Of each level is to rescue Stan in peril. I'm sure you've seen. Yes, yeah, absolutely. Um, yeah. And, and the reward for doing that across all 50 stands or whatever it is that are hidden around the game is that you get to play as Stan Lee. And obviously, being Stan Lee, the grandfather of every superhero in the Marvel universe, um, he has every superpower as well. So you can literally take him into your free play and only ever have to play as Stan Lee. <laughs> Which is, uh, I can't wait to see the Stanley Hulk. I'll definitely have to try that out when I 100% the game. Mm. I believe you get an achievement for it as well, sir. But no, I, I'm genuinely very, very impressed with it. Really enjoyed it. it it's it, to the point where I'm not tempted to trade it in. I'm I'm quite happy to keep it until I 100% it. It's, it's going to be one of those pick up and plays while I battle my way through Assassin's Creed and uh, the various other games that I still have to even get into remotely. So, Very good fun, sir. I don't want to set the world on fire I just want to start a flame in your heart. So, uh, something to end on this week. Um, one of the big things that links both Boo and myself is our love of a certain Bethesda game. And um, there's been rumours, there's been suggestions. Uh, we've seen glimmers of hope over the past couple of years that this would happen. But uh, this week, a trademark was spotted by some eagle-eyed onliners is that Bethesda have trademarked the term Fallout 4. Yes, indeed. It's the news we've been waiting for, Dave. Mm, um, absolutely. 
You want to talk yeah. about a game that will sell me a next-gen console. <laughs> yeah, totally. Um, we both love Fallout 3. There's no denying it. I'm, I'm sure we racked up between us at least 250 hours. Yeah, easily. You know, um, <clears throat> it's it's a game... I, it's the only game that I bought all the DLC for and played through and waited. And they, For me, there's never been a gaming experience like Fallout 3. No, absolutely. I mean, it, it, I've... I've... I've used it as an example before now. Of uh, It was the game that got me into gaming and being excited about games. It was one of those things, I didn't know what the game was before I bought it. In fact, I think it was a Christmas present that someone bought because it, it went down to like 20 quid at work. Uh, where did, I was did you get the special edition with the with the bobblehead and the tin? Yes, I did. Eventually, I, I, I traded in and, and got that one when that one went down in price as well. So I've still got the bobblehead on the side. My little vault boy uh, is still there. Um and it was, it was one of those things of not really knowing what the game was. I had no idea about the previous games, didn't really have any interest in it. And so I thought, oh, no, it looks interesting. It's only £20. People are saying it's good. You know, people are enjoying it and just falling into the rabbit hole of playing that game. Just everything about it was absolutely brilliant. So I thought we'd, we'd, we'd get together um, as we do every week and talk about things. So why not talk about something that links us and is relevant because they have trademarked this obviously doesn't mean the games come in they could just be protecting their uh, intellectual property however i think it's probably a strong hint and we wouldn't be surprised if there is an announcement that says fallout 4 is just around the corner i mean don't get me wrong dave i love what bethesda do i love skyrim i was a big fan of oblivion but for me so far the best thing that they've ever produced um was fallout 3 and um it's, it's it's a game I haven't played recently, but I think because my Xbox went down and now I'm a PlayStation guy, and, and when I was playing Fallout 3, it was on the Xbox. Yeah. I've lost literally days of my life, and I think going back to the original Fallout 3 for me would be bittersweet because I really felt like I did experience everything you could experience in Fallout 3 because, I mean, myself, I think my, my over 100-hour save file... You know, I, I really did everything in that game possible. I looked it up online to make sure I'd done this, that, and the other. And my biggest regret, Dave, my biggest regret is that uh, I got 49 out of the 50 bobbleheads. <laughs> that is that is top of my list. We, <laughs> we, we spoke about this, obviously, we, we, we chat before, <laughs> before we record. And um, I said, right, yeah, I'm just going to pull together some ideas of my best bits and the things I regret and this, that, and the other. And top of my list is the decision on whether or not to destroy that city <laughs> because of the bobblehead. Just a huge error. Why? Why would they do that? And they didn't even fix it. But well, I don't think it is an error. I think it's a genuine punishment for choosing what is the worst possible outcome for that particular situation. Uh, if you're not aware of what we're talking about... Um, the first location you come to when you're playing Fallout 3, obviously, is the vault. After you leave the vault, the first kind of city you come across is um, Megaton. Is Megaton, And the reason it's called Megaton is because it has a fucking big atomic bomb hanging over the city, which is not... It's an unexploded bomb, and you chat to the characters and everything else. Um, Dave, one of, hold on. Sorry to cut in... Yeah. Are you sure that it wasn't? I'm sure on my version, the bobblehead was in the Citadel, um, 
like building and um you blow it up and if you don't get it in the security office before the building blows up that's the bobblehead that i didn't get ah okay well the bobblehead i didn't get was megaton because there is a bobblehead in megaton that Mm. if you don't get it before you make that decision you ain't getting it so that that for me was the one that i didn't get i let megaton be for a very long time um what a, like, what a great the, example, though, of why the game yeah. is so good. <laughs> because, yeah, for me, that was that was the experience. And how annoying. I mean, I had a home in Megaton with the um, with the stand, with the bobblehead that you could put the bobbleheads on. Yeah, yeah. When you could customise the house. I had and it just, in the hotel, so, yeah. Just to see, <laughs> just to see that 49, but not that 50, and not that achievement. <laughs> was just a constant reminder and also sorry talking about the hotel i used to love going up to the top of that hotel um you're talking about the one where you where you can where you have to kill the guy on the balcony yes and that's that's where you make the decision isn't it whether you press the button or you don't press the button you yes, get to see that, that vista of megaton being blown up or spoiler um you, you don't and then have to fight your way through a load of ghouls and everything else but uh, no i i ah uh, just i used to love chucking grenades at that guy and watching him fucking fly or you hit him with a rocket launcher because he just used to go such a good distance <laughs> i think this was the thing is that I'd, I'd never played a game like it and i'm you know i'm sure people can bring up examples of games that were the same sort of style or everything else beforehand but because it was like my return to gaming was through that it was just amazing. It was so immersive. There was so much stuff to do. And, you know, you, you made that classic mistake of as soon as you came out of the vault, you'd just charge off and then some death claw would come and take you down. Or, you know, at that point you were so weak, like fire ants would destroy you or, or that kind of thing. And and it was kind of like, a, oh, OK, right now I've got to actually take time to meet people and build my you know character up and, you know, work my way around and learn about sneaking and all that kind of stuff. And obviously, yeah, you get to that point where you played it for as long as I played it, 150 hours or whatever it was and you've maxed out as much as you can and you you know you've built yourself up to this character where it's a one-shot kill and all that kind of things but you know the vat system the pit boy all that kind of stuff was just so good and the the thing i'll have to mention as as the it's literally the second thing that i've got written down there is the soundtrack to the to the game in particular the radio that you could listen to while you were going around if you if you're aware of like gta and that kind of game of having a soundtrack when you're in the car the pit boy would tune into the radio that was playing um across the way was it wasteland radio or i believe it was called but what, with three dog with three dog um yes absolutely and it, 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 it was all sort of 1950s easy listening hits there's a little bit of country and western mixed in and that kind of stuff and i can genuinely say no other game has introduced me to more artists and records than that game did and still to this day you will find the ink spots you will find ella fitzgerald you will find danny Kay on my iphone because they're the songs that if i'm walking down the road and it comes on shuffle they just make me smile so much and just you have that questionably racist danny k song uh on your ipod uh yes indeed i do yes uh Whoops. bingo bango bongo yeah. i don't want to live <laughs> oh no 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 um yes absolutely and and um just the, the soundtrack in general is brilliant and obviously they they did it 
again with uh, and we're not going to go too far into this but they did new vegas afterwards which was the arkham origins to the uh fallout 3's arkham city no dave the new vegas soundtrack was okay they introduced me to a couple of great songs which was was it peggy lee johnny guitar mm, yes yeah great song but um yeah not as, as you said we're not going to talk about it too much uh, new vegas was quite disappointing for me after just the phenomenon for me of fallout 3 but this is what we're, we're here to talk about number three so uh yeah, completely. And it, it was one of those games as well that um, the DLC for it, and it's a rare thing now, but the DLC for it hadn't been confirmed or spoken about or anything when the original game came out. So they were developing the DLC as people were playing the game. So if, if they were... <clears throat> it's an old game, so it's not really spoilery. The ending, if you before the DLC came out, the ending could be very uh, not, you know. It, it, it wasn't a very good ending, basically, hmm. to to the journey. Yes, and, which uh, they've admitted. You know, so, since. I mean, DLC really fixed that. What, what was your favourite DLC? Did you have a particular favourite? Yeah, I, I was a massive fan of Mothership, Z, uh, Mothership Zeta. Mothership Zeta was good. What was the redneck uh, kind of Bayou one? Was that um, a po- lookout point? <sighs> yeah, it was something like that. But um, I remember playing it because it was just stomping through swamps and... Uh, finding a church full of uh, non-believers and all that kind of stuff. Um, but Mothership Zeta, mm. um, I really enjoyed that because they ramped up the difficulty because it was for those people. It was the last DLC that came out, and it was yeah. for those people that had grinded and leveled up. Way, you know, I can't even remember what level I ended up being by the end of it, but they would raise the level cap <clears throat> Excuse me, with each DLC. Yeah. So by the time Mothership Zeta came around, you know, we, we all us regular players were top level. So it, it, they really ramped up the challenge. And, of course, you got those awesome alien weapons. I uh, said the, the really overpowered guns, which would just yeah. disintegrate people straight away. Which Because in the original game, there was an alien crash site, wasn't there, that you there could go and find? Crash site with a limited amount of ammo. And once that mm. ammo had run out, there was no more. It was literally the amount you found at the crash site. Absolutely. I mean, I, the, was it the pit was the other DLC they did, which was kind of supposed to be a sort of Pittsburgh uh, reimagined the, thing. Vampire guys. Yes, that's right. You had to collect the steel ingots and you'd be overweighed really quickly if you but took too when many. That little story, when that first came out, for the first couple of days, it was buggy as hell. There were these giant like triangles with explanation marks where things weren't loading. Oh, wow. And then <clears throat> it kind of soured. It slightly soured the experience of the pit for me, which is why it's my probably my least favorite DLC because mm. I had the promise of this new you know thing and nothing was loading and I, I came back from work and I was like please just work and <clears throat> you know I was um, I needed my fix and I wanted some new stuff so uh, <laughs> but yeah, yeah. It definitely kind of the last two uh, DLCs were the, were the best. Yeah, I think as well the the, the introduction of. Um... The, having the companions as well, which I never really used to my advantage. I think I, I should have used those more when I was playing. Oh, yeah. having, a, having a super mutant following you around was awesome. That forks. What well, the posh one? No, was, no, the guy. The, the, the super mutant. There was a super mutant that spoke with a with a normal voice. Oh yeah, the, I'm sure. Yeah, that was forks, wasn't it? Yeah, the companion yeah. that you could take on. Yeah. It was just but huge. Yeah, was... <laughs> yeah, absolutely. And obviously, dog meat, which was uh, the uh, the dog that you could get, but. Uh, 
Good old it's, dog, man. Yeah, I just think it was one of those games that introduced so many little things that I enjoyed, you know, the hacking on the computers and things where, you, you know, you had to try and work it out. It took you a while to work out the pattern that you should do to... Yeah, but I used to just cheat and do two and then come out of it and go back into it and have my three tries again. What? Um, uh, you know, that, that for me, that sound when you took the rad away and things, and you do that gulp, and it was just... I don't know, everything about the game was just so well done. That's um, that's why it was banned in Australia for for a time, because of their references to... to, uh, to... To the meds and the uh, to the drugs. Oh really? Yeah. Oh. They weren't drugs, were they? They were, you know. They were rad away, <clears> so. <throat> yeah. But no, I, absolutely, without a doubt, one of the best games I've ever played. And you know, I, I'm I'm a big fan of um, of their work, like you say, with Skyrim. Again, I, I easily clocked over 100 hours with Skyrim, and that was wonderful. But if you gave me chance to return to the wasteland, I would absolutely 100% be there and I would be finding by hook or by crook uh, a way of getting a next generation console because if they announce that for the Xbox One 100% count me on board sir. No I'll definitely definitely get a next generation console if it means we'll get a chance to return to the wasteland so uh, Fallout 3 epic game so that was the Milking It podcast episode 10. Thank you very much for joining us yet again. And don't forget to follow us on Facebook. It's facebook.com forward slash milking it. Also follow us on Twitter, which is uh, at Teat Tugger. Uh, it's not updated much, but we are trying to uh, get on board and uh, definitely make that more of a thing. We say this every week, but we honestly mean it this time. <laughs> yeah, this time, honestly, we'll change. I promise. We'll change. <laughs> um, so, yes, as always, thank you very much to Jay for his drop-ins. Always impressive um and thank you very much a big big thank you to uh, dino peppers for a brand new milking it podcast um picture that you see uh, I, i'm trying to think of a way of describing it but i can't um it, but yeah the way of describing it it's a great picture thank you very much to dino peppers it's easy sweet and we cannot wait to release it to you Absolutely. So I, I hope you've enjoyed that. You'll notice it's changed and there's all sorts of groovy things involved. Um, and also thank you, as always, to John Sands for providing the music. This was the Milking It podcast. I was David Davis. And I was Boulamont. And join us next week when we tug the teat of popular culture until it explodes all over your face. Now, fuck off. You want to milk it and you know. You got to milk it and you know. One last thing I want to hit you with, Dave. Um, oh, hit me all over my face, neck, and chest, sir. So. <laughs>